Well, good morning. It's so good to be back together with you again this morning. And it's, it's hard to believe, isn't it, that Thanksgiving is only four days away. Uh, it's uh, sort of uh, crept up on us once again really quickly this year, it seems. And of course, as you know, uh, Thanksgiving is, uh, is, is kind of a big deal. It's a big uh, uh, holiday, a, a big time of celebration here from coast to coast. And uh, many people will be uh, traveling great distances because it's a time of getting together with our family, with our friends, with our loved ones in order to celebrate. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, apparently uh, across the U.S., uh, we consume somewhere around about 690 million pounds of turkey every Thanksgiving. Now, some of us, by the time we get to next Sunday, are going to feel like we personally have consumed close to 690 million pounds of turkey, but but that's uh, across the whole nation because food is kind of a big deal at this time of year. And so a part of many of our celebrations is really going to focus around the table. But uh, a lot of us probably have different traditions as well. Perhaps in your household, you uh, like to sit down in front of the TV in the morning to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Uh, uh, perhaps uh, uh, you're one of the families who in the afternoon tunes into the football games and can't tear away from that. Uh, there are so many different ways in which uh, uh, we think of the Thanksgiving holiday. Of course, Black Friday has kind of infringed upon it uh, pretty heavily. Uh, for weeks now, kids in schools have been talking about the, the first Thanksgiving. Maybe in some places they've been talking about Abraham Lincoln's Thanksgiving proclamation. Uh, it is a holiday which is steeped in rich tradition. But one of the things that's really interesting about Thanksgiving is that amidst everything else, all of the traditions, all of the celebrations, the one thing that's kind of been lost a little bit along the way is, well, Thanksgiving. And uh, you may think, well, that's not true in our home because we take time to to pray before the meal or because we take time uh, to go around the table and everybody share what it is that they're thankful for. Uh, Again, some polls have been taken, and uh, this year, as is often the case, uh, most people are expressing that they're thankful this year for family, for friends, for health, and for employment. And those are good things for us to be thankful for. But this morning, I want us to spend just a few minutes together considering what our thanksgiving should truly look like. And I want to suggest to you that one of the things that it is vitally important, that in particular, we who uh, profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, be careful to keep in our thanksgiving is not just what we are thankful for, but who we are thankful to. Because if you think about it, this idea of simply being thankful for things when it is separated from who we are thankful to really actually has no substance to it. And so this morning, as we once again turn to God's word, we are going to seek to answer a question that for some of us may seem very simplistic and easy to answer, especially if we've been around church for any period of time. But that is, why is it that God and God alone is worthy of our thanksgiving? Why is it that God is worthy of our thanksgiving? Now, 
unsurprisingly, the scriptures have a lot to say about this, but specifically this morning we're going to look at just one passage in Psalm 138. And so if you have a Bible with you, I certainly hope you do. I want to invite you to open that up uh, in front of you, to uh, pull it up uh, on an app if uh, you have it on your phone, but to follow along so that we can see uh, together what we find in this wonderful psalm, Psalm 138. Uh, It starts simply with the inscription of David. And then beginning in verse 1, we read this. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. This is a beautiful psalm, and it's actually very instructive to us, even though it was written... uh, But some 3,000 years ago, as David penned this under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, it has a great deal to instruct us in concerning what it looks like to truly give thanks to a God who is worthy. He starts off here and he makes this declaration. What we see is that we should give thanks to God for his love and his faithfulness. David gives us an example of this right thanksgiving as he says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Now, whenever we see this idea of a whole heart within the pages of Scripture, it's often held in contrast to another phrase that comes up over and over again, and it's this idea of a divided heart. And so a whole heart really is talking about our whole being. It's talking about an undistracted, complete devotion. Whereas a a divided heart is something which is kind of pulled in different directions. There is a a pull at the affections towards different things. Jesus, of course, said to his disciples that no one can serve two masters. That's the idea of a divided heart. There's a sense in which there's an allegiance which is pulled in different directions. Interestingly, this being a psalm of David, uh, David is often referred to as a man after God's own heart. While towards the end of his life, Solomon, his son, was described as having a divided heart that was not like his father David's. And so David here speaks of what we might call a wholehearted thanksgiving, a recognition that all that we are, that all that we have ought to cry out in thanks and praise to our God. And it's very interesting. Uh, He uses a word here that we're very familiar with. And oftentimes as we're reading through the scriptures, especially in the book of Psalms, our tendency is just to rush over it. But wherever we see the word Lord capitalized, 
uh, many of you were probably familiar with this, but whenever we see the, the word Lord capitalized, it is actually referring to the covenant-keeping name of God, the name Yahweh. And, and so David is being very specific here, and this is important in our thanksgiving. He is not saying, I give thanks to some sort of generic universal force. He is being very specific. I was sat uh, on a plane uh, traveling home uh, on Wednesday, and uh, uh, next to me were a, a very nice couple. Uh, um, they were originally from Brazil. They had been uh, vacationing over in Japan. They were then heading to Chicago to spend time with, uh, um, uh, with some family members, and we got talking. And they were telling me about how much they had enjoyed visiting some of the Buddhist temples. Uh, there in Japan and how peaceful they found it and, 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 and how much they liked some of the things from that. And, and then they were telling me that their, their daughter lives on the North Shore down uh, in, the, uh, in the Wilmette area. And they were saying, oh, and there's this wonderful place, the Baha'i Temple down there. And it's so wonderful. It's a place of peace. And I love the way that it kind of seeks to bring all, all religions together. And, 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 and they were talking about these different things. And I was trying to communicate to them about the fact that, no, they're there is a personal God, not some nebulous force. And, you know, when we, are, when we are thinking about thanksgiving, it matters who we are giving thanks to. And David is unequivocal in this. I give you the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I give you the, the creator and sustainer of the universe. I give you the, the one true God. I give you praise with all that I am. And in fact, he draws that out even more as he continues, before the gods, I sing your praise. He's really talking about the fact that my thanksgiving to God is unashamed. Uh, most scholars think that this psalm was perhaps written at a time when, when David was fleeing from Saul and uh, uh, that David had gone to hide out, as it were, to take refuge in the land of the Philistines, a pagan nation uh, that were on the borders of Israel. And so the reality was, if that's the case, David was uh, right in the midst of all of these idols, all of this worship of false gods. And here in the text, he says, before the gods, small g, I give you praise. What's he saying there? Say, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I will unashamedly rejoice in and give thanks to you, the one true God. You know, that's a really important thing in our culture today. Because people have all sorts of different ideas, all sorts of different philosophies. They love the peace that they kind of feel in this Baha'i environment or in this place over here. But before the people who are confused over things that are of no worth, of no value, that are deceitful, we who name the name of Jesus Christ ought to joyfully, wholeheartedly, and yes, unashamedly say, I give thanks to the God of heaven. I give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to the one true God as revealed in the Scriptures. In verse 2, he goes on and says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And again, we see uh, some instruction here that, that helps us in thanksgiving. 
It's interesting, he, he, he says, I bow down towards your holy temple, and some have tried to look at this and say, ah, you see, this isn't original to David, it's, it's, it's wrong, because the temple wasn't built until the days of Solomon, his son. But actually, the word that's used here is, is a word that could equally be translated as tabernacle. It, it, it actually speaks of the idea of the presence of God amidst his people. But what David is showing us here is that not only does he give thanks to God with wholehearted de- devotion, but thanksgiving starts with, it starts with first directing our praise to God. What do I mean by that? Well, um, in, in, in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 17, there's an interesting account where uh, 10 lepers come to Jesus. And, and he heals all 10 of them, and then they go away. And later, one of them comes back to thank him. Out of ten, only one comes back to give thanks. Sometimes, in the midst of recognizing all of the abundance that we have, the good things that we have from the Lord, we often can take that for granted. We may take time around the table and say, well, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this. But how often do we actually come back into the presence of God and say, God, thank you. I praise you for this answered prayer. I praise you for this in my life. I thank you. I give thanks to you. Yes, we should tell of thanksgiving before other people, as we'll talk about in a moment. But we ought to start by coming back, bowing, as it were, in the presence of God and thanking him for his mercies that are new every morning. It's one of the wonderful things that we get the opportunity to do, even Sunday by Sunday. One of the reasons, and there are many, why it is good to gather together corporately in the local body of the church is that it is a time for us to come back together week by week and to sing, yes, and to declare, yes, the praises of God and to give him thanks, to, in a sense, take our eyes of temporary things, and again, set them on the Lord. Uh, but he shows us here the reason, and we we're talking about this idea of why is it, why is it that God is worthy of our, of our thanksgiving? He, and he says, I bow down toward your holy temple. I give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And out of all of the attributes, out of all of the, the characteristics of, of God that he could talk about, he goes back again and he says, I thank you, I praise you, God, because your love is unrelenting. It is steadfast, it is certain, it is sure, it is unrelenting. And your faithfulness endures forever. You see, the, the, the foundation, the, 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 the root from which our thanksgiving flows is the very character, the very nature of our God. We are thankful because we have a kind and benevolent and good and generous God. And that flows out of his steadfast love and his unending faithfulness. You know, we talk about the love of God. We talk about the faithfulness of God, but what incredible confidence it gives us to know that our God who is unchanging, our God who remains eternally the same, who was faithful to us in the past, 
will continue in his faithfulness now and will indeed be faithful no matter what our circumstances or situations may be because he does not change. His promises are good and true and sure. And so the foundation for our thankfulness, the, the, the recognition of the worthiness of God, it goes back simply to the greatness of who he is. And in fact, uh, David speaks about kind of God's reputation when he says, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. Uh, he's talking about the fact that the scriptures, that the name of God and the word of God are, are separated from everything else because they declare the reputation, the fame, the splendor, the glory of God. And guess what? There is nothing else that can compare. People exalt in all sorts of different things. People try to elevate all sorts of different things. But the name and the word of God are above all things because God has proven himself time and time and time and time and time again. And there is nothing else in the whole universe that compares with the steadfast love and utter faithfulness of God. I love the fact that David then goes on to actually give a specific, if you like, personal testimony here. Uh, notice with me in, in, in verse 3, as he's still talking about the steadfast love and faithfulness of God, he says, on the day that I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. And so as, as David is thinking about this idea of thanksgiving, what it's like to give a proper thanksgiving, why it is that God is so worthy, he goes back and he reminds himself of the steadfast love and faithfulness by saying, uh, I have a God who hears and answers prayer. I mean, think about that for a moment. I, I know we talk a lot about prayer in church. It's a good thing. We, we took time in the service, and that's highly appropriate as we gather together. But we ought to be constantly amazed that the God of the universe, that the one who upholds all things by the word of his power, that the sovereign ruler of all things invites us to spend time with him, to come and talk to him, to share our needs with him that he knows already. But he delights to meet with his children in prayer. We have access to come boldly before the very throne of grace. And David says, I give thanks to you, O God. And I am reminded that you not only hear prayers. You, you don't just listen and kind of write them down. And it's like, oh, that's very interesting. And go about your brain. No, you delight to hear and to answer them. Now, the truth of the matter is that when we pray, sometimes God doesn't answer in the time. Or in the way that we might expect or hope for. Uh, that in his wisdom and in his steadfast love and faithfulness, that his plan is often different and, yes, better than ours. Uh, but David here actually gives a specific answer that he received. We don't know what David was praying about. He says, I give thanks to you because in your steadfast love and faithfulness, I called to you, you answered me, and you 
increased the strength of my soul. That's a beautiful thing. Oh, what's he talking about there? He's talking about this, this sort of inner renewal. He's, he's talking about a, 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 a transforming effect that coming before God in prayer had upon him. When he was weak, God strengthened him. You know, there's a wonderful promise in, in, in Philippians chapter 4. It's a passage that perhaps many of us have even uh, uh, memorized at different times. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What's that saying? It's saying, as you come before God in prayer, as you present your needs and your thanksgivings and your requests, there is, yes, God will answer those specific requests, but the immediate answer that he promises whenever we pray is this. He will grant us peace. And David here is describing this as strength of soul. I don't know where some of us are this morning. Many of us, as we look ahead to Thanksgiving, are looking forward to the time we're going to spend with family and friends. We're looking forward maybe to uh, a little bit of a different schedule, a few days off work. But there are some of us who are for honest right now because of some things that we're going through, because of some fractures in family relationships, which mean that some people who we would love to see this Thanksgiving aren't going to be around because there's issues that are right now unresolved and are very painful to us. Some of us maybe are in this place where we're struggling with the idea of, I don't even know what to be thankful for. Because right now it feels like I'm just kind of in this dark place and I don't see much good in the midst of my situation right now. God knows and he sees And he cares and he understands. And when we come to him, he will strengthen us in our place of weariness. He will give peace in our place of desperation and anxiety and fear and uncertainty. He will remind us of his faithfulness. So come back to him and and know that there is a strength of soul that he delights to give delights to give. You know, this Thanksgiving, we ought to take the opportunity, kind of following along with David here, to initiate a time of, uh, of Thanksgiving and to unashamedly do it to the praise of God, to let people know it's not just what we're thankful for, it's who we're thankful to. And to do that perhaps even in the workplace, even amidst uh, people who uh, we may be surrounded by who don't know the Lord. Because, in fact, that's uh, where David continues to go in this psalm. And we see that uh, acknowledging God's love and faithfulness will lead others to recognize that no one compares to him. No one compares to him. We see this in verse 4 and following. He says, all of the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard of the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. And, and it seems to be that David is actually speaking. It's kind of what he's desiring. He's looking forward, as it were, to a time where all rulers, all peoples will acknowledge the greatness of God, that they will come to recognize him for who he is. 
And of course, David himself, uh, a, a king or, or, or soon to be anointed, or having been anointed at least a king, he has this desire uh, for others that the rulers of all nations would recognize this. And we see that thanksgiving actually results, first of all, from hearing God's word. Notice that it says, for they have heard the words of your mouth. Thanksgiving comes from hearing God's word because when we understand who God is, uh, what he is like, and what he has done for us in Christ Jesus, it's where our thanksgiving flows out of. And so if you at times find it difficult to, 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 to know what can I be thankful for, go back to his word. Go back to uh, the reminder of who he is as recorded in Scripture. But it's not only that thanksgiving uh, results from hearing God's word. We see that thanksgiving also results from seeing God's ways, from seeing his ways. We see that right here in verse 5. So verse 4, it says, For they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. So being reminded again and reminding others of who he is, his greatness, and his wonderful works leads us to thanksgiving. This is one of the reasons why we who name the name of Jesus Christ ought to be the most thankful people around. Why? Because we recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from him. That there is nothing that we have that we did not receive from him. Uh, that, that we recognize the greatness of who he is. We recognize the splendor of his name. And more than that. And I hope that this morning you know this. We recognize that though we were utterly undeserving. Though we were separated from this good and gracious and merciful God because of sin. Because every single one of us has fallen short of his holy and perfect standard. Every single one of us, and none of us is deserving of forgiveness because we have transgressed against him that he loved us and gave his son for us. To die our death, to pay our debt, to bear our sin, and to rise victorious to life again, to open a way that we might be washed clean, made new, reconciled with our Creator God. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of His mercy. Knowing who He is and what He has done on our behalf ought to propel us into wholehearted thanksgiving. How tragic it is when those who profess the name of Jesus Christ have an ungrateful attitude, a complaining spirit. God is utterly incomparable, and when we declare the greatness of who he is and the work that he has done on our behalf, through Christ, we are reminded of the incomparable nature of God. Who else has done that? We just sang a moment. Who else? Only a holy God. But David here, uh, uh, speaking again, remember he's talking about his desire that the kings, that the rulers would recognize the Lord and give thanks to him. Um, he, he 
reminds us of the greatness of God and yet the fact that God is unlike any other. In verse 6, he says, For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Uh, What's that saying? He's, He's talking about the fact that though God is exalted above all things, Though he is incomparable in his splendor, his majesty, his glory, who does he draw near to? The lowly, the humble in heart. You know, one of the reasons that Thanksgiving is so important in the Christian life is quite simply this. We remind ourselves again of our utter dependence on the Lord. One of the great maladies, one of the great... Uh, challenges that we face in a culture that has such abundance is that our tendency is to look at the car that we drive, the house that we have, the, the, the money that we have in the bank account, the toys that we play with, and to pat ourselves on the back and say, haven't I done great? And we look and we compare ourselves with others. It's like, well, I have what I have because I worked harder, because I got a better education, because I did. No, we have what we have purely because of the mercy of God. We are undeserving. Everything that we have comes from Him. Oh yeah, but I work really hard. Yeah, and who gives you the strength? And who gives you the breath? And who gives you the health to enable you to do that? God. The humble, the lowly are those who see themselves rightly before him. And thanksgiving is a a way in which we walk in humility. But the opposite of that, it says that the haughty, that is the proud, he sees, he knows from afar. Now, yes, God knows them because he's God. But at a distance. There's no intimacy there. There is a separation Uh, As it says repeatedly in the pages of the New Testament, um, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Thanksgiving keeps us in this attitude of humility, recognizing our right and proper place before our magnificent God, recognizing that he is indeed the source of all that we have, that it is because of his love and his faithfulness. And it keeps us on guard against an arrogant heart. David finishes this psalm, verse 7 and 8. And we see that God's love and his faithfulness give us a confidence for the future. This idea of praising God for his love and, and his faithfulness, it helps us. It sets us up for a confident walk Each day. Uh, Verse 7, he says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. And so David is talking about the fact that, that, that God is worthy to be praised, not just when things are easy and straightforward and comfortable, but at all times. He says, even in the midst of trouble and hardship, I give thanks to God. I know his faithfulness in the past will meet me where I am today because he remains faithful, and I can be confident in that. His declaration here is not one that I know that God will get me out of any jam so my life will be easy. 
It is not a, a, a message of, oh, you can live your best life now and God doesn't want you to experience any struggles or any hardships. No, he is talking about the fact that the Lord sustains him even in the midst of trial. In fact, in verse 8, we have this wonderful declaration, this incredible promise. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Isn't that good to know? You see, that's not just true of David. That's true of all of God's people. The Lord will fulfill his purpose. In fact, in uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it, it, it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. God is not done with you yet. He is still working, and he is accomplishing his good and perfect plan. We love to quote um, uh, Romans uh, 8.28, that God works all things for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. Uh, the context as we continue reading, we see what is that good he's working? Our conformity to the image of Christ. He is working. This doesn't mean the Lord fulfilling his purpose for me does not mean no trials, no struggles, no suffering. It means that even in the midst of our darkest times, God's steadfast love and faithfulness are still unchanging. He is still working. He has a good plan, a glorious purpose. He is doing his work. It's not always comfortable. It's not always easy. It doesn't always lead to an immediate thanks, sense of thanksgiving. But we don't give thanks based on our circumstances when our eyes are set on him. We give thanks in the knowledge that our lives are in the palm of a good, good father. A God who is steadfast in his loving kindness and unending in his faithfulness. And so, David ends by simply saying, do not forsake the work of your hands. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Now, I don't think that this is a cry of desperation. I don't think that this is out of fear that, uh, that, that God will forget him or leave him. No. He's already had this testimony that the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And that's a, a wonderful truth that all of us can stand upon in Christ now, I think that he's pointing us back in his own mind. He's going back to a promise that was made to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, where there we read, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And so I don't think that David is saying, Lord, don't forget me. I think he's saying, remember your promise, O God. Remember your promise. And so it is with a heart of thanksgiving that he comes before the Lord, not so much focused on the things he is thankful for, but rather the one he is thankful 
too. And this Thanksgiving, what would it be like if we If we were a people who wherever we're gathered, whether it be uh, in the next few days at work, whether it be uh, around family, whether it be friends, and in fact, not only just this week on that particular day, but every day, what would it be like if we had an attitude of thanksgiving to God, regardless of our circumstances? based upon who He is in celebration and thankfulness of all that He has done. And yes, acknowledging those good and perfect gifts that He's given. I think that it would have an impact on some people around us who struggle to recognize that in fact the things that they have been blessed with, the things that they enjoy, ultimately come from the hands of a good God. As we prepare to celebrate Thanksgiving, it is good to to set aside a day, but we are called to the constant activity of giving thanks. And remember that even on those days where it's hard to see something to be thankful for, come back again to the splendor of God and the mercy that he has shown us in Christ Jesus. Our thanksgiving ought always to be rooted in knowledge of the love and faithfulness of God as exhibited in Jesus Christ. And this thanksgiving, if you're here and you don't know all that Christ has done for you, and the invitation that he extends to you, then this is an opportunity to experience a true thanksgiving. To experience a thanksgiving not just for the things that you have, but to experience this strength of soul, this inner transformation that comes from being able to rejoice in the knowledge that your sins that once separated you from a holy God have been nailed to the cross in Christ Jesus and that there is forgiveness and that there is new life available in no other but Him alone. In Him alone. Our God is worthy of our thanksgiving because no one compares to Him in His love and in his faithfulness. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, again, we take a moment to stop and acknowledge that you are indeed the source and the provider of every good and perfect gift. Lord, forgive us that oftentimes we take so many things for granted. Oftentimes we think of all the things that we have accomplished and fail to stop and remember that it is your love, your faithfulness, your grace that has enabled us even to enjoy the things that we enjoy. Lord, I pray for any who may be here today who, whose hearts are heavy, who at this uh, time where others are preparing uh, to celebrate are carrying a weight and a burden of hurt. 
who feel like they're walking in a place of darkness without being able to see the light. Lord, I ask that you would open their eyes in a fresh way to experience your deep love for them and your faithfulness. And Lord, remembering the greatness of who you are and all that you have done would, in a sense, dispel even the midst of the darkness that they're in. Lord, likewise, I pray that if there are any who don't know and cannot with a whole heart give thanks to Christ for what he has done for them, that today would be the day where they cry out, saying, God, thank you that you have provided for me a Savior even when I didn't know that I needed one. Forgive me for my sins. I don't want to live my own way anymore, but to follow yours. Here I am. As best as I know how, I surrender all to you. Lord, often we fail to be a thankful people, but we pray that by your spirit that you would cause our mouths to be open with your praise on our lips, our eyes to be open to see your mercies that are new every morning. And Lord, that we would be unashamed in giving thanks to you for your steadfast love and faithfulness. We ask these things in the name of our wonderful, glorious, and faithful Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord.